Uncensored. Unfiltered. Unhinged. It's the Corelcast. Listen daily on your favorite streaming service. Moan and low. My sweet man is gonna go. That's the earwig of the day. Moan and low by Barbara Streisand. Uh, from some album, <laughs> over 60 albums. It is the Corel cast. I am Corel, and I'm so very glad you are joining me. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, the economy, obviously, they say, is driving the midterms. I just filled out my sample ballot, uh, and it really, my mail-in ballot, actually, but I'm going to go vote in person. Uh, and it, it made me um, sad filling out the ballot, and I'll tell you why. Also, someone said something to me at the park this morning that just resonates with every other topic that I want to talk about today. Uh, and so we're going to talk about the thing in the park uh, that, that got me. Uh, and I got a wonderful email I'd like to share with you. All of that on this whirlwind cavalcade of a Wednesday here on the Corel Cast. Thank you, Patreon supporters, for your support. I love you. I need you. I appreciate you. And if you can afford $5 a month or more to support the show, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash really Corel, R-E-A-L-L-Y-K-A-R-E-L. And I thank you in advance for your, thanks for your support. As was it Wilford Brimley? I forget he used to say that. Uh, all right. You know, David Hall would say, start with what's on your mind most. And what's on my mind most uh, is, you know, I saw a lot of statistics this last week about fentanyl. Two-thirds of all the drug overdoses in the United States are now fentanyl. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid, and it makes you feel good. It makes you feel, I know, I've taken, I had patches, child. It killed Prince. That's what he, you know, took too much of. Uh, so two-thirds of all drug overdoses are fentanyl. Uh, in California, in 2012, they had 100 fentanyl overdoses. They just had 5,700 uh, in the last year. Uh, it is the number one experimental drug among teenagers. Not pot, fentanyl. Among teenagers. And now there's even rainbow fentanyl to make it more appealing to children. Now... Fentanyl works. It's a great drug. I've taken it. Uh, man, I've taken it for months, and it got rid of my pain, honey. It also got rid of my life, meaning you can't do much else when you're on it, uh, but it got rid of my pain. And this morning at the park, I was talking with Ark, a little clatch of dog owners now that I know, and one of the older women, she's in her 70s, she, we were talking, you know, I have a back injury, as you all know. I'm on disability for it. And today I'm in a lot of pain. I've been thinking about pain. I'm, I've been in a lot the last few days. Not a lot compared to what I used to be in, but a lot to what, compared to what I'm used to now. Uh, my pain level, if a doctor were to ask me today, is about a four. It's normally a two. Uh, so it's double. I have double the pain. It's not a ten, but it's a, a good four or five, depending on which way I move. Uh, we were talking about that today, and she said, you know, I don't mind getting older. She goes, I'm just, I'm tired of the pain. And I breathed a heavy sigh because I've been in pain with my back since the 30s, my, my, you know, and I'm about to be 60. So many decades I've had pain. Uh, you just sort of grow used to it. Many of you have pain in your life, and 
you don't medicate it. You're not on the fentanyl. You're not on the oxy. You're not on, you don't, you don't medicate it. A lot of you have pain in your life and, and you don't medicate it. Or you medicate it other ways. You know, songwriters medicate their pain by writing songs. And a lot of us medicate our pain by listening to those songs and releasing that pain in the song. Theater. Theater is rooted in pain. A lot of plays are rooted in deep pain. A lot of our arts are either created to make us forget our pain or to help us express our pain. Pain is possibly, outside of love, pain, not even, not even, no, no, because love, sometimes you never feel your whole life. Sad, but true. But pain, every human feels it. And we're so quick to talk about pain as physical pain. My neck, my back, my wussy, my crack. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're so quick to just say, oh, yeah, pain, or I don't have any pain. Or whatever. But obvious from these numbers on fentanyl, pain is a lot more than physical pain. But let's start with that. Let's start with the fact that being a human being actually physically hurts the older you get. Into your 40s and 50s and 60s, 70s, 80s, it hurts. Now, you might be blessed and it may not hurt a lot, but it hurts one way or another because our bodies are not meant to live this long and they actually just wear out the padding between the joints, the cartilages, the muscles and organisms that, you know, maybe 40, 50 years, yes, but 70, 80, 90, they start to wear out. And that hurts. And so aging actually physically hurts. And there's that pain. And then many people are injured at work or at play, but they don't get through life. They don't get through 50 years or 60 years of life without some kind of injury. Now, many of you might, but a lot of you have something. You played a lot of tennis, so now your arms hurt. Your knees are shot. Your hip is, you know, whatever. The pain, if you lived a good life, or if you athletes in their 20s and 30s are in pain. So there's the pain of being human. It physically hurts. We never acknowledge that. And yet so much money is spent marketing things to you to make you relieve your pain. From over-the-counter pain relievers like Advil or all of that uh, to right up to fentanyl. There's a billion-dollar market to actually help you relieve the physical pain of being a human being. And so that, that's where the fentanyl comes from, from that market. The market of it actually physically hurts to be a human, and so we are finding ways to medicate it. Fentanyl is a short-term solution. You should never use it for long periods of time. But we do. And now it's being abused, and people are dying in record numbers. In the, during the pandemic and sustained into now, opioid deaths have skyrocketed. And you, I don't want you to sit there and judge these people. And think they're all just backwoods Kentucky hillbillies married to each other. So what if they were, first of all? That must hurt. It must hurt physically and emotionally 
to come from a town with no options, with no life, with no basic income, where your needs are not met, your actual physical just needs, a place to stay, where everything is always tenuous or up in the air. It hurts to be poor, psychologically. It hurts to be uncertain, psychologically. It hurts to be filled with anxiety or dread or rage. It actually hurts. And these drugs, they fix that. They, they take it away. It's a song by Patti LaBelle. Please come back and kiss away my pain. Yeah. Somewhere a studio person has a, uh, a version, me doing that song at like 23 years old. Oh, I thought I could sing a Patti LaBelle song at 23. I was wrong. I didn't do it very well. But it wasn't that terrible, but I didn't do it overly well. I was no Patty at that point. Uh, I'm not Bob, who is. Uh, anyway, so when you hear the numbers spiking during the pandemic, the numbers spiking after, when you hear teens killing themselves in record numbers with fentanyl, all you need to hear in your head is, God, that's a lot of pain. That's a lot of psychological pain. It's a lot of physical pain. And then ask yourself, why do they hurt so much? Now, the physical part, that's aging. Things wear out. You got to have things replaced or they can't fix it or cancer hurts. I mean, the physical part of pain, yes, you can do yoga and meditation and be a vegan and do all the things and you could still end up in pain. And if you do, you do have to medicate it somehow. Not an opioid unless it's the last resort. But where is the rest of the pain coming from? I'll tell you where. You know where the rest of the pain is coming from? It's coming from another story I saw out of Long Beach and L.A. That Section 8, they're going to open the Section 8 lottery to get on the wait list for the first time in five years. Now let me tell you why I have a problem with every part of that story. First of all, Section 8 is what we give to seniors or people who are extraordinarily poor to subsidize their rent so they don't become what? Homeless. So at a time where homelessness is out of control and we spend millions and millions and billions all told on homeless, you would think we would expand Section 8, that we would give more vouchers to more people to give to their landlords to subsidize their rent so they could stay living. But what Section 8 has become is the face of poverty. The only landlords that accept it are slumlords. It's become the face of poverty. And now, to get on this list where you can get a program to help you with your rent, okay, to get on this list, you now, they've opened up a lottery after five years. So for five years, you couldn't even get on the list. You couldn't, you couldn't get in line to wait at all. Now they're going to do a lottery where they're going to put a bunch of people on the list and they're going to draw names to get on the actual waiting list, which is up to four years long itself. So you've waited five years 
to enter the lottery to maybe get on the wait list to wait another four or five years. That's nine years without income assistance for your rent. Do you see why that is a farce? Why that is a program set up to make someone feel good, but not set up to really deal with the housing problem. Section 8 housing is a joke. Not many good landlords take it. They don't want to deal with the government or the city or the county or whatever. They don't want to deal with it. So they just don't take it. It's up to them. Not every landlord has to take Section 8. That's another terrible thing. So these, poor, these people who are poor, and that hurts. It hurts to always be wondering where you live. It hurts to be wondering how you are going to pay the rent. That It hurts your brain. And there's fentanyl. Just sitting there saying, I'll take that away. <gasps> Sorry. There's fentanyl. Just sitting there saying, I got you. I got you, babe. Yes, just ingest me and I'll make you feel good. Prince, he was just someone that was in pain. He had money. He had everything he could want. And it still couldn't get him out of pain. So he turned to fentanyl. Pain whether physical or psychological. That's the reason for the opioid crisis in America. Pain. Either physical or mental. And the mental pain comes from poverty. Poverty has to be one of the number one. The, the uncertainty of being an American. Not knowing if the government's going to take away your program or if a, a program's going to open up like this Section 8 the uncertainty, even if you get on this list now, then you have to you know, hopefully win the lottery to get on. The, we make poor people enter a contest to get on a wait list to get a housing subsidy. We're evil people. The things that we call social programs to help people are really evil programs. They're, they're dehumanizing and they're evil. And most of you don't know that because you've never been poor. Most of you are Scrooges in so much as, are there no poor houses? Are there, is there no welfare? Is there? You've never been on it. You've never had to apply for it. You've never had to use food stamps. You've never had to get a Section 8 voucher. My mom was on Section 8. That's how she lived in her senior building. Because at the time, at the time, in the late 90s, it was $900 a month for a one-bedroom at the time, that was, and that was expensive. So she signed up for a program where her rent was based on one-third of her income. Whatever her income was, one-third of that was her rent, and it was assessed once a year. The rest was covered by a Section 8 voucher, but it was one-third. That's how we should do with all rents. You want to rent a place? Okay, what's, what, what's your income? Okay, then your rent is one-third. If that's not what the owner is asking, then the government should pitch it in. What? Yes! You don't want people homeless. Homelessness. People are in pain. Horrible pain. So all these statistics about drugs, California having 5,700 deaths, uh, the number one emerging drug for teen. It must hurt to be a teen right now. You're not sure if the planet's even going to be here in 50 or 60 years. You're being handed the biggest steaming pile of crap ever. A dying planet and people who are getting so old they can't take care of themselves. At, you're, just, you're being handed a bunch of crap. Economies that are breaking. 
devastation on a global scale and you're being handed that and, and you're expected to still be a teenager and go through all the being a teen you know what it must hurt to be a teen right now you're when i was a teenager i didn't have to worry about getting shot in school well yes i did but i went to school in the inner city there was a reason you know in long beach in the late 70s you did have to worry about getting shot at school by a gang being in a gang because we were poor but at good white schools, they didn't worry about getting shot. Wilson, no one worried about getting shot. Jordan, no one worried about getting shot. Polly, we worried about getting shot. But that had it, that reputation. So that must hurt. So there's a lot of pain. And the lady at the park this morning, I just want the pain to stop. And I thought, don't we all? Don't we spend fortunes? You know, we... Hunger hurts. If you go too long without eating, you actually get a hunger pain. So we eat to make sure we don't get hunger pains. You know, that costs money. Eating. Time and money. But that's how we quell that pain. Other pains. we you, Music helps you calm your nerves. The, the pain of the day. The stress. Stress is pain. Stress is your body's response to pain, just like itching is your body's response to pain. You're in pain if you're under stress. It might be psychological pain, but you're under it. I want the pain to stop, don't we all? Isn't that all of us right now? You know, I went over my mail-in ballot today, or, and I'm, I'm going to go and vote in person on the 22nd, but I was looking and just going Democrat, 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 Democrat. And I thought to myself, how sad that I can't even read the names. That it's now gotten to where if they associate as a Republican, that there is just no way to vote for them ever at all. You know, it used to be that there were good Republicans that a, a person like myself who just wants the best for my country, that I could vote for a Republican. Nowadays, there's not one. There hasn't been since the 80s. They're evil, evil people. And it's so sad that there's even a contest between these evil people. And that in some places, including here, the evil people are probably going to win. Election day has filled me with dread, with just it too much, so I've let it go. I filled out my ballot this morning. I will take that with me when I vote on the 22nd. And October 22nd, the election is over to me. My birthday is November 7th, the day before the election. I am not going to let it ruin that week or my weekend. I'm not. Rachel Capper and Norm, by the way, y'all should come to Vegas and come to tea. Just saying. I know you're listening, Rachel. You and Norm should come to Vegas and come to tea. Come on. So, pain. Pain. It's on my mind. And the fact that we make poor people enter a lottery, that we, we treat, we dehumanize poor people so much. You know, in the UK right now, they're not turning on their heaters and it's cold. They're delaying turning on their heaters because of the price of heating oil, because of Russia, who is now using suicide drones from Iran to take out the power grids and such in Ukraine. Russia, who should be smacked right now diplomatically, meaning Joe Biden should call Putin and say, it's over. Find a way to, ma to make a peaceful exit where you save face or we're going to get involved. And if you even threaten a nuke, I will burn you to a crisp. That's what needs to happen. 
The real world now needs to end all of this. But I, I don't think we will. And the, well, the pain of war, boy, that's got to be some pain, right? The GOP saying they will end help for Ukraine. And so the, the, the anxiety of voting, that causes pain. I, I am stressed about what's going to happen November 8th because I know it's a fait accompli. Evil people are going to win, probably here in Nevada, probably going to take over my state. Sisolak will probably lose. And Laxalt will probably win as well. It'll be Lombardo and Laxalt. That's evil. And if our Secretary of State turns into that Republican, they're a Trump-supporting election, denying. They've already said they would then be in league with other Secretaries of State to make sure elections went their way. Bad, bad things are happening. Bad things. And I know what's going to happen November 8th, and I'm, it's causing pain. How do I medicate it? cannabis, talking to you, walking my dog, and then just hoping beyond hopes that some project I create takes off so I can leave the country. If I have to start a website, send a liberal away, so, you know, and that way the, the, all the MAGA can come and donate, you know, you want to get rid of us? You want us to not vote in elections? Send us to another country. We will go. And then get a group of liberals like me that would gladly relocate to Canada, Ireland, France, wherever, Portugal, if we could go with a million dollars each. <laughs> so we raise a million dollars for each liberal that wants to go from all these MAGA people. You, you want our vote to not count? You want us to not be here? Ownthelibs.com. Literally own us. Buy a liberal and send him away. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I am. Because it's sad that on the ballot, they're such despicable people. I mean, when I was reading this ballot, I thought, these are horrible, horrible individuals. These are terrible people. It's sad that there are actually terrible people on the ballot, like really bad people. I want to share something with you. Not sad. It made my day yesterday. It's from the mailbag. Ask me, A-S-K-M-E, at reallycorel.com. That's the mailbag. Ask me, A-S-K-M-E, at reallycorel.com. Dear Corel, I don't have a question. Just wanted to say how much I enjoy your show. Uh, I have listened since you were on KGO. I loved you there. I remember the segments where you used to give advice. And I was listening when that horrible Joe the Plumber moment happened, too. KGO was very unfair to you about that. They were. They actually were. Uh, I was even able to meet you in person at a KGO 4th of July event at the park in San Jose. Oh, I had walked there I had, from the airport, actually. Uh, you were so kind uh, to take a picture with me. We drove from Tracy just to meet you. And I probably said I wouldn't have. <laughs> I wouldn't drive from Tracy to meet me. Uh, thank you for all you've done, for all your insights, advice, knowledge, and for sharing it with us. I have to say that I am worried about our country and that feel we are losing our democracy. So worried that the GOP will take over, and it's depressing. The world seems to be going crazy. Hope we all survive. Wanted to be able to contact you and tell you how much I enjoy you. I support all you do, and I do subscribe to you on Patreon. Thank you again. I hope this finds you well and you find time to read this uh, from Karen R. Uh, first of all, thank you for being a Patreon supporter. Uh, second of all, thank you for all the kind words and for sticking with me. Uh, I heard something from Meghan Markle's interview in Variety about, you know, broadcasting and 
the way you consume media has changed. And one of the things about doing a talk show or a podcast is that usually you're listening by yourself. Now, some of you listen with your dogs like, cowboy, how? God, cowboy. Uh, or, you know, some listen with other people. But a lot of you listen by yourself. And so this is still one of the, one of the few mediums left where I'm communicating one-on-one -on -one to many. And Meghan Markle was, had that conversation about what she's doing with her podcast. And it was very, it resonated with me. Because I've made a life of talking to millions of people one-on-one, -on -one, directly. I'm only doing the show today for you. I'm not, and I'm not using that term you as in the broad you. For you. For you, Bridget. Or for you, Karen. Or for you, Rachel. I'm doing the show today for you. Not everybody else, because everyone else isn't with you listening to me. You're listening to me. So I'm doing this show for you. And when you are in a conversation with someone, when you are on the phone with someone, give them that same courtesy. You're talking to them, not them and 12 other people. Even though you might be talking to them, you're talking to them. We've got to get back to that, to letting people know that we're communicating with them one-on-one. -on -one. That you're not just part of Twitter or Instagram or the grand social collective. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to people like Karen. I'm just as afraid as Karen is. I have just as much fear as she does. How am I handling it? With my love of my dog, by talking to you, by being as healthy as I can physically, and by doing what I can for the environment and everything along the way, and just hoping, really. Sometimes all you have left is hope and all I can do right now is I can't change everyone's vote. I can't single-handedly save democracy. I need you, and you need everybody in your world to help, or we lose it. And we can't single-handedly, but we can if we come together. So I'm hoping that enough of us come together at the polls and literally save democracy. If we don't, we're going to have to live with it. We can't just curl up into a shell and die because of an, of a, an election. You know, we will have to get through it. And how will I get through it? Talking to you. Directly to you. Whether it's from Las Vegas or another state or another country. That's how we get through it together. And yet we get through it together by talking one-on-one -on -one with people. So many people are afraid to do that these days, to like engage someone one-on-one. -on -one. They're just afraid. And rightfully so. You never know what you're going to get nowadays. You know, you never know. So to go back to the theme for the day, though, pain um, and medicating it through fentanyl and other drugs that are used, cannabis certainly is a way, you know, cannabis is a way to medicate the pain of life. It always has been. Humans have always had ways to medicate the pain of life, whether it's alcohol, cannabis, a berry that they eat that makes them feel better, feel better. See, there's a whole term, feel better. A lot of marketing is about making you feel better. Why? Because you don't often feel great. Why? Because of pain, physical, psychological, emotional. Love does hurt. 
Losing someone hurts. Losing a pet hurts. Losing your country hurts. Emotional pain hurts. And the word hurt, that, you know, when a doctor asks you if you hurt, that word only means one thing. Are you in pain? And we use it for emotions. Oh, you're just hurt. Your feelings are hurt. That means you're in pain. That's why we have these fentanyl overdoses and so many drugs being used. It's, it, yes, you know, I go back to the happy rats that do not medicate. What that means is they did an experiment where they put two rats in a cage with nothing else. No other rats, no other fun stuff, just two rats a cage, a water bottle, a drug bottle, and food. Within a week, one of the rats had OD'd. Just couldn't take it. Then they put rat, the surviving rat with other rats, all kinds of fun stuff, and guess what? It didn't OD. Happy rats don't medicate. I am Corel. You be who you want to be. So long it doesn't hurt anybody. Thank you for joining me. We'll be back on Friday. Friday, honey. Freaky Friday. We should get Make your device a whole lot smarter. Get the Corel Cast app free at the app store of your choice now.